Welcome to Meaningful Words About and By Meaningful People. I'm Dominique Marsalek, and tonight we'll be reading After and Before the Lightning by Simon Ortiz. Simon Ortiz spent a winter in South Dakota on the Rosebud Lakota Sioux Reservation. The bitter cold and driving snow of a prairie winter were the inspiration for after and before the lightning, prose and verse poems that were his response to that long season between the thunderstorms of autumn and spring. I needed a map of where I was and what I was doing in the cosmos, he writes. In this book-length poetic work, he charts the vast spaces of prairie and time that often seem indistinguishable as he faces the reality of winter on the South Dakota reservation. He also confronts the harsh political reality for its native community and for Indian people everywhere. Winter is legendary in the Dakotas, as everyone who has ever lived there or has heard about it knows. When I lived on the Rosebud Sioux Indian Reservation one winter season, it was not only a storied time to be remembered and talked about later on, but a real and very present fact. Snowy frozen days, bitter cold nights, and endless wind. The South Dakota winter was forever. At least it felt like that. Snowy wind and blizzards and blistering cold from November through mid-April just like any legend, just like any story. But this was more than legend or story. This was a reality that could not be denied. I felt I have never been very good at facing reality, nor at dealing with it. And when I lived in South Dakota, working among the Lakota people, teaching at Sinte Gleska College, on the rosebud during that season, after the last thunder and lightning, and before the first thunder and lightning, I needed a way to deal with the reality of my life and the reality in which I lived. The winter prairie surrounded me totally. It was absolutely present in every moment. I could not put on enough warm clothing, nor be prepared enough, nor was there a way to avoid it. The reality of a South Dakota winter demanded to be dealt with. So I was compelled to write the poetry in after and before the lightning. On a daily basis and in a moment to moment way, I found this poetry reconnecting my life to all existence with a sense of wonder and awe. Every line, every word, every image and thought, every sensation and emotion was an explicit item and notation about what was happening in my life that winter 
on the South Dakota prairie. The narrow asphalt strip of Highway 18 from Mission to Oak Creek is not actually very far in distance, no more than 18 miles. But across the prairie hills late at night under a starless sky or in February during a storm piling deep snowdrifts across the road, it feels endless. It feels like somewhere between South Dakota and there, because it feels like traveling on the farthest reaches of the galactic universe. The day sky, the night sky, the planets and stars, the constellations of the Milky Way, the vast and boundless cosmos of existence. All these were vividly present, immediate and foremost as context on the prairie. When the poems came about and I wrote them, I felt like I was putting together a map of where I was in the cosmos. I'm not certain that map is the correct term and I'm not certain if, as a writer and poet, I was even successful in noting and expressing what I wanted and needed most of all. Reassurance that by facing reality, winter and my life, I was doing the right thing. Yet I believe now I'm doing the right thing and I will stand by that. Recently, someone asked me about my use of the subjective personal pronoun, we, and the objective universal we in the poetry and prose poetry passages. In some instances, my references were to an actual person who was immediately present with me. And in other instances, I was making general references perception and expression of emotion and imagination, telling dreams and plans, sharing direct experience and personal history, relating real and actual events and moments in the mixed context of memory, speculation, fantasy, and intellectual thought are all of a process. As author, the writer is within this process in both the subjective and objective we. Why do I use galaxy, horizon, moon, stars, universe, light years in the poems? Why do I speak of traveling across vast spaces of prairie and time? Why do I choose the ideas of destiny and memory and what do I mean by them? Why do I relate such abstract images and ideas to the immediate and material facts of the winter prairie that was the present and elemental environment around Mission, Oak Creek, Rosebud, and South Dakota? In composing a map, the only way I could do so was to locate myself in relation to the endless snowy sweep of the prairie with its low rolling hills, 
the sparse stands of trees along frozen prairie creeks, and the distant blue horizon merging into gray-white sky, time and place and memory. The prairie hills and blowing snow and distant ranch houses and ghost buffalo. This was the evidence of existence. This reality was there and I was there within it. Every moment, every act of my being was defined by the reality I had to acknowledge. Not to acknowledge this would be to deny existence. When a friend read a version of after and before the lightning some time ago, she referred to it in terms of the darker moments of my life. She said it dwelled upon desperation, death, and loss of hope. And I could not disagree at the time she said it. As an Acoma Indian in the Americas, the dreaded reality of despair, death, and loss because of colonialism has been too often present and I cannot deny that. No one can. Certainly no one who understands and has undergone colonization. My personal experience and history have been burdened with too much of that. Yet like facing the reality of upper Midwest winter weather which can be 50 degrees below zero and more on the way, it's possible to know that burden as more than just desperate and difficult and impossible to deal with. Indian people, especially the Lakota of South Dakota, whose homeland has been the prairie for generations and generations, know the harshness of this reality. And yet, more than any other knowledge they have, they know the sacred beauty of the prairie homeland, which they regard with wonder and awe. Living and writing evolve as I continue to live and write. I am most conscious of my life as a journey and what I write is a map that comes about every moment for me. Every day is like that. And that's my certainty, a memory of how my journey has been till now. Simon J. Ortiz. <clears throat> they say the time of cold and snow is the time for stories. And yes, I'm sure it must be true for poetry too. It has to be true, it has to be. These poems come from a winter I lived on the prairie of the Rosebud Indian Reservation, working with Lakota friends who are the grandmothers and grandfathers, mothers and fathers, daughters and sons, sisters and brothers of their people. They are the true caretakers of their beautiful prairie land. Always among each other and with the land, they are relations for all my relations.
enormous knowledge. It is amazing how much knowledge we have of hope. Whisper bravely into the dark heart. Whisper loudly. Lightning One. This evening, we are not eager to approach Oak Creek. The close hills above the little Lakota village are tenuous with black forces. Electricity as mere physical notion can never be measured or held by mere bone, blood, imagination. It takes more than nerve to see what creation wrecks at once. Opening prayers of humility cannot ever bear the total shudder and crackle of one's life, settling into molecules, then atoms, fusing apart, becoming life again. The safety of Oak Creek is assumed only. It is not affirmed fact. Lightning two. Safety is not the destination reached when we drive into Oak Creek, home only yards away. There is a steel fence and the dragon light dances ferociously from prairie hill to prairie hill. Shadows tumbling down all over, lightning bursts on its mane. The mind is a panicked horse. So we stop, turn off the car engine, study the rusty gate for a long moment, knowing only imagination is not full knowledge. What happens in the act of millions of volts of fiery electricity meeting hair, bone, skin? The question peers through the cold rain. Mere distance from the storm isn't anything. We wait for the wind and rain to pass hoping for miracles we've heard about. Life can be a laughing matter, we know that. But even that knowledge is not much comfort. The moments of our exuberant arrogance are not useful right now. So we wait, measuring the fact that storms don't always last long. It doesn't last long, we find out. It passes. Though afraid, I still get out of the car. Taking one more breath, I walk up to the gate, tap the rusty gate like it was a manta ray, jump back, wait for the dragon to crackle alive. Nothing happens. I feel the cold tap of rain on my face and shoulders. Nothing happens. This time I pray, safe passage for you, dragon, sacred, mysterious one, and safety for us again. The landscape 
prairie, time, and galaxy. Hot coffee at Ron's is always good. Black, strong, laughter, stories, friends. Ron looking somewhere else, deep inside or far away as usual. Up there, all around, with the stars or within the cosmos. David slams the door, walks in, sheds his coat and gloves, takes off his snow boots and stamps to, into the bathroom. Ron says, you folks don't come here for coffee. You come here to use my bathroom. Yes, our laughter. Earth Mother, she cares. The 10th November day now of snow which doesn't melt, just evaporates mostly, and ceaseless dry prairie wind. Volcano thunderous in Colombia. It may be 10 and 10 more days of snow and wind, freezing, thundering. We can do nothing else but pray pray hard. The Earth Mother cares. She loves us. And her blood boils. Her bones shiver. Just pray hard. Pray hard. Snow drives across the road and we have no power. We're standing still. And it's the snowy wind and the prairie that move. It may be 10 and 10 more days of the volcano. Pray hard, pray hard, hard. One morning, one winter, he got up. As antelope father, elder, he'd go in one of the four directions. I'll sing you a song, I who is the antelope elder, he said. And he sang for the snow shawana, the spirits of winter. His song was, Hadyashra Hawa Shawana. All around in all the directions were thick snow clouds. And on the snowy ground was deep snow. It covered up the trail and the water holes on the mesa. He sang, Where are you, snow shawana? Where are you, Snow Sharana? Well, later on, telling about that morning, he would say, as I was singing to all the directions, looking all around at the clouds, suddenly I fell into one of those frozen water holes covered over with snow. Right here I am, the Sharana, the Sharana said to me, now you've found me. And we laughed because it's good to laugh with story, because it's good to laugh with memory. This story remembers him. Amua, my father, beloved, my father. Driving the snowy wind, November 19. Tried to get to Rosebud at noon yesterday, failed. 
drove back from Mission to Oak Creek because I forgot my briefcase. The snowy wind. Returned home from work in the late afternoon. Prairie hills quivering. The snowy wind. The snowy wind is fierce, insistent, unrelenting. Picking up dry snow off the hills turning the hills into churning clouds and the sky blending everything into one cold surging exhaling forceful breath for long seconds driving into the breath is blind i have to make my song durable sing for the snowy wind the breathing power of the prairie Sing again for the snowy wind, the breathing of the prairie. The far hills are no longer far hills. The horizon has merged into the galaxy. There is no end to things. It is all one, one distance, one dimension. Together in a fabric of winter, sky and land are sewn together. And the rivers and creeks of this prairie are arteries and veins of one body. And we, atoms and cells, move with the sinew of wind, frozen grass, ice-laden trees, the poor clothes we wear, and the weak car we drive. We are graced with a winter certitude we can only acknowledge and cannot deny. When we return to Oak Creek, the little Lakota village, secure in the prairie hills from where we left this morning, I look at the small stack of wood on the back porch. It's covered by the snow that does not melt, only evaporates. It doesn't always have to be so hard. Pray hard then, pray hard and tell stories. The stars are not so far away. Vital Margins Bitter cold margins of wind flowing from hill to hill. Snow rivers, sinuous veins of vital organs. Story, though it's still of the bitter cold, helps. Steel plate in his head from the Marines in Korea, Seth says. When he came home, he had spells. One night, winter and cold, he left to go to the outside toilet, you know? Somebody found him 30 miles away, cold, no coat, nothing, 30 below degrees, almost gone. The courage it takes is sometimes marginal, yet our lives are durable. As tough as sinewy wind, up than down, love and hope, 
more vital than anything else. Story helps. We live the margins we've seen. November 20. I've forgotten part of the story, but I remember she said, the girl and the other children were standing at the door, their hands held out, ice in their hair. She spoke in the voice of her mother. Her husband, my father said, close the door, it's just the Indians, they are used to the cold. She spoke in the voice of her father, the voice she heard her mother speak. When the woman looked at her husband, he was glaring at her. All around them, the walls were solid with winter. Silently, the children of the frozen woods stood there, ice in their hair. Would they always be there? And the woman, her husband, their daughter, their future, and again the children with ice clinging to their black hair, would they always be there? This is the quilt made from that story, she said. November 23. I wake up to a cold house. The walls are hard, dense, stony, solid, and outside, the icy walls are fiercely struck with sunlight. Stepping outside, I can't help but shiver. Snowy hills are bright, the sky is far. Winter is not here yet, but I can feel its daring youth and the unwithering pride. It's as hardy as this morning is. I decide to get wood. Jim Bob has told us the wood down by the creek is already spoken for. Friends of his. I decide we need wood. If his friends want it, they have to get it quick. Otherwise, I get it. Snow is more than ankle deep. Prepare myself mentally. Not much to it. Just be cold enough kind of angry, no words, decisive. Doing it is to do it. Put last of the wood in the fire and there's no more. And I know there is wood down there by the creek. Dead trees, dead branches. The decision to do things requires no more than what is necessary. Food, shelter, clothes, heat, safety. The moments may be unclear of how it will work out, but immediacy is the main power. Just do it, simplistic perhaps, but what else can there be? Our decisions are relatively simple once they become necessary. Bits of the sky, tiny shreds it has become, fall once in a while. Not snow, but the sky, torn by the cold and wind, the huge presence that is more than half dragon, more than half snake, 
shrugs, its sinews laborious but not urgent. The decision to get wood is part of that. I say, winter spirit, breathe us into you. Hold out your hand in which there is strength and shelter. Let us be a part of your stony skin. And I sing too, pray. Later with the fire roaring hotly, wild flames and dragon children flare up in the belly of the stove. The grain in the dry oak is thrilled. At the edge of my heart's membrane, little creatures dance. There is warmth and a harking back to memory, to the child at the horizon when the earth was born. Tiny dragons and flames, wild dancing, singing, whirring like many colored doves. They become and become. Destined. Snow flies furiously eastward and prairie hills hunker down. The walls, windows, and roof shake and shudder. Everything feels destined. Yesterday afternoon, men came with a truck. They were heavily dressed. They loaded some cattle. Their work was methodical and accomplished. How far, I thought, is it to Sioux Falls? How far, I thought, is it to Lincoln? Destiny is not a distance, bitter, cold, and endless. It is this South Dakota wind and snow, a destiny we cannot deny. November 25, morning, dawn light holds steady and silence does not betray the winter shadows. No echo, therefore, not even a shimmer. Loss is never known. It's simply a fact of winter silence. I do not open the curtains. Let the little warmth stay for a while. Let the cold wait for a while. I start to build the morning fire. Dream, quiet wind. As the fire starts, I remember the dream. It is a quiet wind, an old barn at the foot of prairie hills. No one is there, no cattle wandering around, old loose boards settling into place, never doing so in any final way. A Norwegian farmer and his son built it. How do I know that? not from experience, not from memory. Yet something took place, something had happened, just like the barn was built by a man from Norway, the next generation with him loyally. The crusty snow 
does not give up its grains easily to the wind. A thin mist fills the air. These prairie hills hold dreams. They have these and more. The horizon is their essence and it offers us this morning. Morning Radio. The weather report says, freezing rain, no driving recommended. Here, the weather in winter is always news, whether it is good or bad. Safe haven in this dark night the swells of the galactic seas bearing us toward unseen stars farther away than we thought, knowing we can never again calculate the wind and the distance we longed for. We still know the certain gauge of hope. Now we come to this, the dark haven. knowing it felt like that bearing from the west on highway 18 we angle slightly south downward gliding from the prairie hills here ghost buffalo dream huffing at the crust of snow the grass beneath it is the sea out there though the silent cold shore hugging the little seaport of oak creek to its threatened shore The fog is dense, merging with the unseen dark sea. It could be that way. Who knows it can't be. We are at times far from shore. We hunger and yearn for the welcoming lights of little villages where warmth waits and mothers, children, wives scurry to check the boiling soup. It felt like that, even as we know it can't be, knowing it could be. November 27. There is always the moment of silence. No motion, just the quiet, held breath. Exhaled light, breath of light. This cold brilliance the prairie hills give forth. God's sky eye, oneness a circle. Within this, the silence.
thinking, reflection. Being and thereafter, as in or despite before and after. Loss and death are powerful as they are and enough to haunt us halfway there, even before we are aware. Only we don't stop, just stutter step, or so to be certain, we comprehend. Death is death, loss is loss, wreck is wreck. Remember then what we, we have forgotten or have tried to forget. Patience tries once and twice and more. We let impatience be its own, but it fails us once again, not due to impatience, obviously, but due to lack of sense, handily employed by so-called patience, duly forsworn to be loyal. Forgotten is just a word, nonetheless, as always, handy as poems go. Younger brothers are loyal once in a while, if you don't mind, forbearance. They are there, as always, needful of example and leadership, even though you've not been a peerless one. You'll do. Haunt then. It's too late to be careful. Prime time is never for you. Time is just time. A moment too soon. Poem, story, verb, feeling. La-dee-da. What's needed more is never too late. For you, none too soon is prime. Sun prayer. Look, the sun. For some brief moments, masses of clouds permit light. An odd patch of torn silvery orange cloth. Pray for light then, always the need. These moments. Sun needs prayer. To here we return. This prairie could lose us. 
The horizon is lost in the icy sunlight glistening off snowfields. The sheer plain of memory and the last hill are lost behind us. Only the necessary, the most immediate is with us. We cannot be anywhere but here, led by these South Dakota winter hills. We are destined to turn again later when we have to and shall return. Wind trails carved in snowbanks, snowbanks sculpted like no one else's fingertips, snow tracks contoured into forms of music no one else's but ours. Sheer memory is not much use, it almost feels like. For the moment, it is only the necessary that is important, and we cannot be anywhere else. Perhaps at the point of death, it's like that. Nothing else but the immediate knowledge of life. No memory of the past. No foretelling of the future. Prairie sunlit sheen hurts the eyes. You have to feel the pain, the consciousness of light interacting with nerves in the eyes. Where are the hills, the horizon we have always known as reference? Following shimmering icy light, there is only a plane of undulating surface leading outward to where the horizon should be. We should stop, but motion is urgent in us, always. We can only allow destiny to turn us later, to return us, and we have to let it. We can only return to this snowy prairie, and it can only return to us. Indian in Sioux Falls was forced to bargain himself for years into state prison. Another just got 30 years. Two more wait to be tried facing life or death. All these years we've been bargained. 15, 30, life, years, death. Let your shoulders sag. Breathe deeply. For a moment, the storm has abated. Journeying. A night's hard journey without stars is taken in any case. Homing on moments before, we do not lose our way. We are always there within. A circle of night mirrored by a circle of day. Our journey is not fearful as we accept each homing star. Journeying back to Oak Creek through a sparkling million-eyed universe. The road is a constellation 
known only within the knowledge that is ours. Who else would travel across light years this night just to feel its worth? We know more than we're sure of, and we don't skip any galaxies. Beauty All Around, borrowed from Danae. Now the sun is so low on the horizon. Now there is a rainbow circled all around the sun. Now there are three suns. One is in the center. Now there is beauty all around. The song prayer must be for this. Looking eastward just above the hills at mid-morning. Circle around the center sun is immense shimmering in rainbow colors, the circle complete, its bottom arc at our feet, and standing before it, we are within the sphere. In beauty before me, in beauty above me, in beauty below me, in beauty all around me. Nothing but the totality of the sun and winter's snow and being alive and knowing, it could be nothing more than beauty. This is the song in prayer. Becoming human, we are given permission by the responsibility we accept and carry out, nothing more, nothing less. People are not born, they are made when they become human beings within ritual, tradition, purpose, responsibility. Therefore, as humans, this we do. Sun Father begins red in the east, stand and be humble, red through trees, Moments changing each instant into the next change, each change tied to the next. To be human is to have a sense of being with self. Sun, red, trees, our hearts, eyes, seeing, inward and outward, accepting. Stand and be humble. The more names you have, the more person you become. That's what I've heard. I was telling Tom that yesterday afternoon, values, education, social change, cultural corruption, what is and what isn't, I have to dispute him at moments. I tell him, the knowledge we derive from the education we get is our own. Knowledge is determined by our cultural, spiritual, linguistic, political environment. The knowledge from the community and context here cannot be anything but the people's own. This is not Chicago, Dallas, or Rapid City. This is Rosebud, the Lakota homeland. Our names are both Indian and American. We have so many names now, we don't know them all. In a sense, we have become more of a people than ever before. dreamer's song yes the morning sun yes the land all around yes the people with us yes the dreaming dream with song the blood runs strong with songs the eyes are clear with song the heart is full with song the spirit does dream for we cannot be denied for we will not be held down for we shall not turn away for we must not quiet the dream. 
The dream is the sun and the people. The dream is the song and the spirit. The dream is always, we are everyone. The dream is always, the dreamer. January 30, keeping pain and sorrow. Almost midnight and winter so quiet, the wind suck into the prairie lee. The disturbance is only a subtle pain, the one that sits so close to the bone. It's almost not there, yet is there a shadow of something, an onerous echo. We can't turn back time. We know better, it seems, even vainly, and we accept it. The echoed pain on the left bothers me, not moving except as I move this time and another. A moment ago, it's there, and I breathe it away. Then it's back. Sorrow doesn't grow old. It grows dimly in a colder of durable, lasting light. We feel it cannot really ever go away. And I think thus, let it always keep a throbbing of memory, a precious stone that is like this hour close to midnight and the winter so quiet, the wind at lee. February 1, dawn prayer for all. Right before dawn, in the blue light of it, I look for the horses, but they aren't there. Only the winter trees, thick along the creek. Everything is still, not even birds move. Only a pain in my chest under my right breast, pulling muscle, something engorged. I'm afraid of its motion, the turn I awaken to daily. The horses must be beyond the creek, feeding in the frozen meadow. I'll not wait for them. My knowledge is only human. Only my eyes see what is to be seen. And beyond that is more yet it is not within my ken. I can't see death, yet know its presence well, even its posture prior to it. Pain is not death. I allow that. For that I am grateful to my mind, the memory ancient, not lonely or unreasonable. Pray then for the blue light of morning that draws me toward the day. Pray then for the horses, for the presence of all things, for the pain. February 5, loss and grief finding us. Yesterday the slightest tremor could have avalanched even the prairie. Everything was tenuous edged at a precipice. Everything leaned towards loss. It was grief which stalked us, found us days later and too soon, too soon. 
Winter's freezing rain and icy roads were vengeful, it seemed to us yesterday. Unjustified, and what could we say? Friend, sister, poet, warrior, human, when grief finds us, we learn of loss. It is this knowledge of mortal life and irredeemable error which finds us grieving and sensing too much loss. We know better than to be found stolen away in shadows. But it's true too, we'll be found from time to inevitable time to be parents of a lost child who will remind us of the ancient tremor. This morning the ice is as steady as the earth has always been in winter and a mist veils the Lakota prairie hills. Loss and loss will stalk us, finding us too soon, and there could be the tremor across everything. But we will hold and hold. February 6th in my life. Wake up to cold weight invisible in the house. There, gas ran out sometime during the night again. Don't put water for coffee, no use. Take a lukewarm shower, wash hair. Mornings in my life like these. When is it enough? The gas goes off, we're cold. It costs too much. We're cold. We have to pay for everything. We're cold. It hurts. We work every day. The gas goes off, we're cold. What has to happen? When is it enough? Will it happen? February 12th, he watched yellow sunbeams blooming on the kitchen wall and slanting through curtains in the large living room window. The prairie sun to the east beyond the hills. He was amazed, amazed like a prayer. It is prayer, he thought, to be amazed, to be thoughtful as well as prayerful, to praise and think, a friend said several days ago. He didn't know the intellectual construct of seeing the sun, nor the physics of light. Optics, he thought he was called, although he wasn't sure of the correct term. But he did know he felt praised and thoughtful and grateful just for being alive. Other mornings, other places, he's been barely alive, simply and ingloriously dying, sick and hopeless. But now at this moment, watching yellow light blooming on the wall he was praising. The friend had used the thought in an essay he'd written, and when he mentioned it, he said it was from Heidegger or Buber or somebody, but it didn't matter. Watching the sunlight on the kitchen wall, it was praising he felt, simple as prayer, deep as prayer, a prayer blooming in his spirit. 
February 18, the margins where we live. Overnight, the air froze, crystallized. Now a thin breath lies on the prairie hills. Light becomes certain and cold, not glazing, not luminous, only captured and stilled. The margin of reality is the margin of illusion. In that margin, between the prairie and us, lies space, vastness that confirms existence. It's the air frozen, and it's our awareness. Nothing more, nothing less, confirms our belief. The road will be deadly, and will still take icy skill to drive on. We will have safe passage. The margins will always be the space where we live. Prayer first, then. Dawn, upa, upa, dawai, amua, amua. Sit in my house, my heart, dawn. Thank you, beloved, beloved, dawn. Enter, enter. My fingers motion thus, my hands motion thus, my breath motions thus, my heart motions thus. With motion thus, prayer. Within the circle, always. Shadows lengthen across the snow. Snow has been melting all day long. Sky is almost clear, thin clouds only. The blue sky, the blue sky all around. The great circle of this earth. We are within, sometimes with song. Sometimes the song is not possible. Nevertheless, we are within, within. Split kindling out on the black porch, deliberate, calculated movements, how easy these things should always be. Just heft the tool, spot the right grain. The winter sun so warm on my back. How easy all things should be like that. The blue sky within the circle of day. Without the song even, we are within. February 22. Winter is over. I can feel it. And I feel a sadness for its going. It has been days now, not many yet. The weather has been changing. Days growing longer by minutes. Not much, but enough to tell the sky is different at dawn and at dusk. Something hard and edged and brittle is gone. The prairie grass is worn and withered weary, but the frozen ground is thawing. This winter has been harder than others I've heard some Lakota friends say. Only the very old know and the very young, I think. Their experience is receptive to the power of nature, 
the requirement to make no comparisons anymore or yet. But why I'm saddened by its leaving, I don't know. Perhaps the power I expected to come forth from being in a difficult winter has not shown itself. That's my fault though. Nature is its own and has its own power and existence. Humankind has survived more than changes in climate. Like other creatures of this earth, we've expected that our tenure yields to the force of a creation we cannot replicate. So perhaps I will know it yet, forever caught within its hold, one with the natural sinew and motion of wind, sun, blizzard, rain, sudden squall, new plant and animal life, all signs of my own natural wonder. Winter will end in a few weeks, although it may snow again. It will not become ever the final one. It only changes as we change. It only becomes one more winter within the cycle of all time. And I am only a man joined with winter, turning towards spring. Out there, morning is memorized just once by a coyote's howl somewhere beyond the trees. It's more than dream we've entered. Coming awake, it's the dawn leaving night. Sometimes it's possible not to hold anything and forever is not a real idea. Memory is what we seek and find in the howl. March 2nd, Arc of Light. I dress in front of the dawn, naked in the quiet light. My skin is cold and I shiver, my eyes hungry. The act of rising is a habit, but I think it must not be. Coming light is a gathering of all things into an arc that burns the ice on the prairie horizon. Ice vanishes. There is no such dimension anymore between far and close. Fire consumes. I cannot touch it with human eyes. I can only dress myself, poor clothes. The winter ice turns platinum, becoming the growing arc, burning. My eyes are only solace and excuse, and they cannot bear the light. My very nakedness is shown to me. The ancestor in me urges me to pray. So it's the burning arc that grows, transforms the horizon into light. It's this I must know, not as habit, but act and experience. The dimension of the horizon that gathers things, my dressing, all things, me, into light. Why we should keep riding toward the storm, we don't know. It is right on the hills, short miles away. 
the wind twisting the elms furiously all along the road from winter. It is perhaps way past questioning, past the moment when it's too late. Our only certainty when the horizon is no longer clear is our memory of how our journey has been till now. We bank on that as we watch the sky and the prairie become knotted finally. It is vast and enormous before us. This knowledge that we could have turned back and now still could in fact before decision is lost to us at last. Yet, there is no such chance we give ourselves here. The destiny on the unseen hills holds us faithfully and it doesn't really matter when we slow down on the thin strip of the highway that is our lives. The decision is now God's, we believe. The storm spirit is brilliant fire flickering deliciously on the horizon that is no longer ours to reach for. We don't know the storm anymore. The fragile journey we yearned to take homeward or away from it is ours now because we cannot free ourselves from where it enjoins us, place to place. We do finally know why we don't turn from danger or beauty or sadness or joy. How completely we feel the tremoring and shuddering pulse of the land now as we welcome the rain heart lightning into our trembling, yearning selves. Simon J. Ortiz, poet, short fiction writer, essayist, storyteller, and lately a documentary film writer is a native of Acoma Pueblo in New Mexico, where he grew up in one of the rural village areas of Acoma Pueblo. He has three children, Raho, Rainey, and Sarah. As a major Native American writer, he eloquently expresses the living story of his people, a story too often marred by social, political, economic, and cultural conflicts with Euro-American society. Yet, like the Native American oral tradition that always stresses vision and hope by creative struggle and resistance, especially against human oppression, Ortiz's literary works engage readers and listeners, inviting their committed involvement in the struggle. Previous works include Woven Stone from Sand Creek, Fightin', new and collective stories, and the people shall continue. He received fellowships in 1970 and 1980 from the National Endowment for the Arts, and in 1980 was honored with other poets at the White House salute to American poetry and poets in Washington, DC. Simon Ortiz was recognized with the Returning of the Gift Lifetime Achievement Award for Literature in 1993, 
Had he received a 1989 Humanities Award from the New Mexican Humanities Council for his contribution to literature.